HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
my thoughts to move the mouse. Welcome to the 300th episode of Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. I'm the other half your host, Darren Bresnitz. And thanks for listening to all these episodes. It's pretty great to be here. Yeah. That was just Color Collage, who will yeah. be here live in studio. Uh, and we have Carrie and Claudia on their fourth annual edition of the Cherry Bomb Jubilee Preview. Hopefully we'll get to 300, but I don't know. I, you've done pretty well, but you just crossed the 100-episode mark yourself. I think that you are much more consistent than we were in our middling years, so you keep trucking along. I mean, you've only had the show for how long? Your show. Four? Uh, three or four? Sure. Years? Three years? Four years? And I think you just had your first male guest on? Is that No, correct? we've had a few guys over okay. the years. But Ken Friedman. Ken Friedman, Brooks. Who else? There's at least one other guy. Anthony Bourdain, no. are you out there? <laughs> Me, I, oh, I that know. Guy. We're trying that, to get guy. we're trying to get Jonathan Gold to come and play cello on the show. Oh, he plays cello. That's great. Yeah, we feel like that, that would, be, would the, be a get. Yeah. That would be the ultimate get. I used to play the violin. If you want any, no, I'm just kidding. You're just saying that now. <laughs> we love it. On the fifth annual one, we'll you can come and do it. I'll I'll practice until then. So, if you want to take a pause and go back into the archives, uh, please listen to our first few interviews with the Cherry Bomb ladies. Before we get into the updated Jubilee, we wanted to just touch on where Cherry Bomb stands right now in the era of a post-Trump <laughs> election. And post-Trump? I wish it was post-Trump. <laughs> post-Trump. I know, uh, right? Fast forward three years. We've got one to four years left. It's okay. <laughs> we wanted to know how the magazine, if at all, has shifted. Or We know that you made some great magazines. You were down at the, the march. You even saw Francis Rose down there, who was on the episode with you last year. We were just curious about where you feel your position is and what you feel, if anything, or you have to change or you feel that you're already doing the correct work and uh, you just need to keep doing what you're doing. That's a big question. Hmm. Uh, Try not to get too political. Uh, I, think, I mean, it's, I think it's inevitable. Like a great example is Claudia was just at a Planned Parenthood bake sale today. I mean, definitely after the election, it gave me pause and I was like, okay, I think we need to 
sort of re-examine what our mission is. And yes, we have been, it is kind of doing what we've been doing all along, but maybe intensifying that mission somewhat. This we just finished the uh, last issue, the next issue on Wednesday morning, aka or Thursday. yeah, late Wednesday morning, aka Thursday morning, yeah. And that issue, I think, was kind of reflective of what everybody's going through because originally the issue had one theme, and then someone said to us, "You need to." It was Jean Armstrong from Williams Sonoma. She was like, "You girls are crazy. It's all about women in charge. It has to be." the women power issue and we're like okay (laughs) and so then we kind of changed it to HBIC you know head bitch in charge and then we actually shot our cover we can't say who it was with but we shot our cover the day after the election and we thought we'd be popping champagne corks and celebrating but it was kind of the opposite very surreal does the cover still hold after the way the election went down yes because I think of the of who the person is, but um, but it but then the the theme of the of it shifted once again, and it just kind of became this sort of mix of all these things that we had been thinking about previously. And what was the reaction to the T-shirts that you made uh, and your involvement within the community for having such a strong message when people were trying to figure out if that type of message or kind of messaging was what alienated the other side of the the aisle. I don't think that messaging alienated the other side of the aisle. I think the other side of the aisle has problem, very deep seated issues with women that go beyond anything you could put on a t-shirt. Proper response. (laughs) And then since the, since the shoot and with everything coming out um, and the intensification, did that influence anything for the Jubilee this year and any of the topics? Yeah, I mean, we had Clancy Miller come to us and she wanted to do something on social justice, which is something we've done before, but, um, you know, it was an easy yes. And what is, and that panel is called Recipe for Tomorrow, Food Social Justice Action. What is the focus of that? What do you feel the takeaway will be from that? Uh, It's interesting, if you go back and Google um, Cherry Bomb Jubilee, each year, someone has an article, eight takeaways from the Jubilee or 10 takeaways from the Jubilee, which we'll touch on uh, briefly. But what do you think the two takeaways from this one or do you hope it will be? That's a good question. The, I mean, when, when I speak to the people, when I speak to the speakers and the panelists and all that, I always say to them, you know, there has to be some kind of takeaway. And it's funny that you point out all those articles. I'd kind of forgotten about all those. But I say, you know, there has to be some kind of takeaway. No one wants to come to an eight-hour conference and just be spoken at. They want, they want there to be some kind of action plan. And it's interesting. After the election, we did this event called Food Fight over at the uh, Green Space in Gowanus. And we had some of the people we really love in the social, in sort of that space that's the intersection between... Uh, social justice and food speak. So um, Roy from Drive Change was there. You know, that's a group that hires young adults who have just gotten out of Rikers. Um, Agnes from Ovenly, they work with this refugee group and uh, they work with another group that hires young adults out of prison. Um, Our friend Hawa Hassan from Boss Boss Sauce was there. She's a Somali refugee. Uh, Mimi Sheraton was there. You know, Mimi's in her 90s and we wanted Mimi to sort of shed some perspective on what it's like to live through 
weird and surreal times. You know, Mimi lived through World War II and the, the Great Depression, if you can believe that. And um, I'm obviously going out of order historically here, but the Korean War, Vietnam War, Nixon years, you name it. So it was, it was good to hear some perspective from her. But at the end of that, people were like, okay, what's, what do we do? Like, what, where do we go from here? And, and a lot of us were like, uh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. You know, it was, it was still so fresh. And I think a lot of people are trying to, back to what Clancy wants to do, um, Julia Tertian also wrote, is she's speaking at the conference, and she wrote a great story for the next issue about, she interviewed lots of different people about how they're incorporating social justice into their lives. And I think that's what everyone's sort of kind of struggling with right now. You know, what do I do? Do I, how do I, if I don't believe in what's going on, how do I fight what's going on when it seems like such an unwinnable fight? I was with someone who is from Canada, who was at breakfast with earlier. And they said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe just going back. And I, and I said, you could leave. A lot of us could leave. But I think staying is the harder part and fighting for those ideals. And then we got a discussion, well, what, is, what does that mean? Does that mean going and rallying every day? Does it just mean voting with your dollars? Does it mean uh, incorporating culture and beauty and art or feminism or social justice? And how do you do that in a way that is something that's consistent and not just a one-time, te- one-time thing? So it be interesting to see what she says at the panel as small, medium, and, and large actions. Yeah. One of the women I'm really excited to hear from on Clancy's panel is uh, Margaret Purvis. She's the head of the Food Bank of New York. And who thought we'd have to defend food banks and financing for food banks and Meals on Wheels and things like that? I mean, it's just... that The thing I worry about is not so much, you know, fleeing to Canada, although I did look up, can I get an Irish passport, you know, if I have Irish grandparents? Soft borders. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia, you do you have a Canadian passport? Uh, I am Canadian. I have all three. Yeah. <laughs> I can go anywhere, either of those places. Um, yeah, but I, I do, did think about... I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't actually move to Canada, I don't think. As lovely as that country is, I think all my roots are here. I just um, worry about people feeling so ground down that they they don't do anything. I think on the other hand, it's really helped people maybe find a purpose. Um, you know, even this bake sale that I went to, it's it's a small thing, but everyone is so enthusiastic about doing these kinds of things and donating their dollars to whatever charity is losing their funding <laughs> that, um, you know, maybe it might kind of like we might get over our little like jaded corners that we've lived in for a while, you know, in our isolated worlds. Yeah. Some of the other, I, I don't, I don't know, but I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like any of us have lived in isolated worlds though. I've, well, I mean, yes, there was a lot of complacency, but at the same time, like we've killed ourselves for four years, like, but I do supporting think, women. Right. You know? But I do think there's a segment of the population that we do not come in contact with that, you know, turned the election. Yeah. And I think that there is a whole other side of the population that we could relate to or do a better job relating to in funding some middle ground that just gets written off on both sides. From- I don't agree. Um, well, I, I feel like sometimes people live in a bubble if you live on the coast. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of non-coastal people you have uh stephanie from girl and the goat coming as one of your top speakers yes uh she is incredible and has built an, an unbelievable empire uh, on randolph which is where the mm-hmm. new a chicago is going 
what is her discussion going to be and what are some of her takeaways going to be? Do you know uh, Stephanie's launching a magazine in the fall? No, I did not know that. Called Goatfish. What is goatfish? Goatfish is an actual fish. I didn't know that. I, my, I, I had the same question. I was like, is it like goatfish? Like the card game? No, it's goatfish. She, she really got lucky on that goat concept uh, and has just been going. My favorite is her new uh, spice blend and sauces. They've got really, really cute names like this little goat went to Belize and this little goat went to Marrakesh and things like that. Stephanie is giving a talk titled What This Girl Learned From Goats. Because I think I learned this from uh, our friend who has Big Picture Farm. Louise Conrad in Vermont. Who did that story for us? That was a beautiful story. Well, Annabelle shot it. I don't remember who wrote it. There, th- This woman has this farm with her husband up in Vermont. And she has this these types of goats. And they are the most beautiful goats in the world. They almost look like aliens. I think... Most goats look like aliens. (laughs) But these in particular, they're like these like crazy beautiful aliens with these wild ears and these like big wide spaced eyes. And I didn't realize until I started following what Louisa does, how much personality goats have. So I guess Stephanie's going to be talking about. And they have rectangular pupils. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I just Googled a goat fish, by the way. Oh, there it is. Okay. What is special about a goatfish? Does it look like does it have a face of a goat or something? Like a, I don't know. Huh. Like kind of like goat. The, the billy goat. goat. It's, a, it, it's a mystery. You'll have to have Stephanie on the show and ask her about it. But uh, Stephanie's somebody we just we love and you know look up to and love what she's built over and on her sort of stretch of uh, West Loop over there. There has to be something in the water on that street. I mean, so many, and it goes back to uh, there's a great. Mexican place there called El Perez, which used to be a tortilla factory and served tacos at lunch. It's been there for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And really, if you want to, Al Pastor case chilaquiles and take a nap. Did you go (laughs) to the coffee shop that serves the camo coffee? No. Okay, next time. Okay. Because you guys are opening the Ace in September? Yeah. Next time, wait, not September. It's a whole, okay, whole six months away. Next time you go there, there's a place right across from Soho House. I forget the name of it, but they sell this type of coffee called Camo Coffee. And it's it supposed to, to be find? camouflage. <laughs> Very good. And it's matcha and espresso. I mean, yeah, matcha and espresso and uh, cocoa powder. And it's really, really interesting. It's It tastes better than I probably just made it sound. It's a little on the sweet side, so you might want to ask them to... Go light on the simple syrup if that's an option. But it's for novelty factor, it's kind of worth going and having it once. Nice. Right down the street. Uh, the last panel I want to touch on before we take a, a break is I like how you end on Kitchen Crush, Why Home Cooks Love These Women. It's nice to have some type of light note or levity at the end. What's the inspiration by from this panel? And it's such a great lineup. Uh, and what are you hoping for the takeaway to be from this one? Funfetti cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's just fun. You know, you don't really think about the impact of bloggers because, I don't know, they're different from, you know, those TV stars and stuff like that. But they do have, like, a rampant following. Um, they're superstars. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's getting a cookbook. They're all getting cookbooks. They in, all have cookbooks. In a weird way, I I think they are celebrity chefs in their own right. But for some reason, they don't get... They don't get the respect they deserve from the general food media, even though they are part of the food media. And I think they're shaping so much of what people across America 
I was going to say young women, but like, I think a lot of young women pay attention to what they do and they're teaching America how to cook. You know, they're kind of the new Julia Childs. And I, I'm really curious to hear what they have to say. It's, it is a fantastic group. I mean, to have Smitten Kitchen there and Joy the Baker and Molly Ye and Jocelyn and Lindsay. The funny thing is, um, I just assumed they were all friends and had met each other before, but they haven't all met, which will be fun to have them on stage at the same time. Do you think it might evolve into we get no respect or no. might elevate each other into no. we've built our own communities or how to build your own community? It will definitely touch on that. I, I think our, I think our audience is their audience. Mm. So, but the the disrespect thing I think comes from other parts of the uh, of the industry. You know, it's no different. I'm sure you have versions of this in the music world, but it's no different in fashion, where you've got you've still got people who think fashion is one thing, and it's not these bloggers and these Instagrammers, and they, you know, there are some old school people in each industry who don't accept sort of the new guard and this is very much the new guard great well we're going to take a quick musical break and we'll be back to talk about the expansion of the jubilee marketplace this is a song from the snacky tunes archives one of our favorite lucius here on snacky tunes
Welcome back. You can hear more of Lucius and other bands in our archives, all of which are on iTunes or on the Heritage Radio Network homepage. Have you guys done a compilation yet? We've done five. Wow. We did one for each season um, through the fifth season, and then I realized that it was mostly just for us. Uh, so we stopped, but it's, everything is is there. So everything's on iTunes. Everything's on iTunes, uh, no and it's all really good. All the live performances: Blood Orange, Porches, wow. Light Asylum, Ooh. Color real, Collage, Color Collage, <laughs> the, the newest one. Number so three hundred. Number three hundred. <laughs> yes. Cherry Bomb Marketplace. So excited that you expanded today, and you gave people another entry point because that conference sells out in like what six seconds. Sold out in one hour and three minutes this year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Congratulations. Are people just hitting you up? Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I can imagine. So let's talk about the park marketplace, which is still open and people can still go mm-hmm. to. And there are like 10 tickets left. So yeah. get on them now. Act fast. Act fast. Uh, and there's a goatfish booth by yes. Stephanie, which I was curious about, but you already answered. So let's talk about the marketplace. Where did it come from? Who was involved? How did it come together? It's kind of a dream that we've had since the beginning, um, but we just never knew how to fit it in. We thought about doing a separate, whole separate conference, um, and this year, just we just decided to do it. You had talked about a networking conference last year, and yes. it seems like this kind of filled the gap between both the vendor and networking and people, just more time for people to come together and interact. Yeah, and we have a lot of great vendors, and, and most of the people behind the brands will be there, so you can come and talk to them if you want, hassle them for mm-hmm. whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know. Jobs, Jobs passports. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you need. Advice. Advice. So what are some of the highlights or people you feel might be overlooked that people should go and make sure they talk to and check out? Some of your favorites. Oh, gosh. So many of my favorites will be there. I mean, we mentioned Hawa Hassan from Boss Boss Sauce. She'll be there with her amazing product. Um, Ovenly will be there. They'll be there. Uh, they'll be next to this group called GOSO, stands for Get Out, Stay Out. And I think I'd mentioned them earlier. They um, they hire young adults out of Rikers and get them jobs and jobs training. Uh, nourishing Notes, friends of ours from Chicago. They do these fantastic tea towels and kitchen accessories Polka pants will be there. Love polka pants. <laughs> Had the pleasure of meeting them on a, on a trip, and such a great concept. For anyone who doesn't know, it is chef pants for women, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds so basic. But guess what? Women's bodies are different than men's bodies. Yep, they have a higher waist. For if you're, in case you're a little curvy, um, who else? Dimes will be there. You love dimes. We do. Aaron McKenna's Bake Shop will be there. I mean, so many, you know, it's really nice because it's so many of the brands that we've featured in the magazine or who've been on the radio show who we really believe in. And, you know, every year we do a, a conference, I guess it's called a conference, that um, Foodie Articles, the food part of the food book fair. And not everybody comes to your table to buy a copy of the magazine. A lot of people come and they just want to talk to you about how you started, how they could work for you, et cetera. Give me your business card. <laughs> right. And I, I kind of love that interaction. I like it too. You know, it's like you never see those people when you're like in your right. house working on stuff. So, and it's so hard. I mean, I've got, you know, you wouldn't believe how many emails, emails I have yeah. on my computer. I, I, I can sh- imagine. I'll show you. You can see the number down at the bottom. So <laughs> thousands, 40,000. What? So pretty much everyone, um, every woman on the planet emails me. <laughs> so it's it's nice to go to these things where you can have some human interaction instead of just a pileup of email. 
So I think what we're really hoping is people use this opportunity not just to come and shop and sample, but to really say hi to these people and ask them yeah. about their businesses. It's like a mini Jubilee with a much friendlier price point because um, we'll have talks and panels and demos, which will be super fun and book signings. Um, should we talk about our giveaway? Our yes, prize? please do. What's our prize? The, the Paris Oh, the Lacord on Blue uh, scholarship sweepstakes. Yes, that's. Wow. I would like to win that myself. Me it's too. Uh, classes. We're not allowed though. No, <laughs> classes and airfare and hotel and a little stipend and. How it's, long? How long is the class for? Two years. No, <laughs> no, it's a quickie Small thing. Stipend. It's like I think it's like four days. But still, I mean, how fabulous is that to go to like Le Cordon Bleu, this legendary, you know, culinary school, and Paris, and Paris. We should talk about the some of the demos and the book signings though, because those will be a lot of fun. Barbara Lynch, mm. the famous chef from Boston, is coming and doing a reading. She's one of the big talks at Jubilee, but then she's coming back to do a reading from her book. Um, Amanda Clute from Eater will be uh, doing a little Q&A with her and then Barbara will be signing the book. We actually, I think we're getting most of the books before they're even published. I think Barbara's book before it's published, um, Samin Nasrat, who has um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which I think is going to be one of the cookbooks of the year. Samin is doing a, um, a demo and a book signing and her book won't be out yet. Um, we have Molly, whose book mm-hmm. has been out, and then Karen Mordecai from Sunday Suppers, whose book has been out, but still great, great people to have. It's really incredible. And again, I think this speaks back to community before and giving people the opportunity just to see other women who have succeeded and come over those barriers and just, I think anytime that you give the opportunity for someone to take advantage of even something so basic as how did you do this, which is one set of questions, mm-hmm. or even the ability to ask a super niche question, like this is in my contract that I'm looking at what was in yours? Can you give me an advice? Having that opportunity is so valuable. Oh, can I tell you one super niche uh, panel that we're going to have? <laughs> it's um, Vanessa from the Edibles line, Marigold Chocolates in L.A. And um, Allison from Butter and Scotch, the bar here in, in uh, Brooklyn. And it's being moderated by Sue Chan. And it's basically about how to have a very grown up business in the food world. I mean, everyone's so curious about edibles now. And the whole bakery bar concept is not the easiest thing to pull off either. So it's, you know, just these two women who are really, really fantastic, Vanessa and Allison, and how they pulled these businesses off. That's incredible. So I want to make sure that we talk about the cookbook as far as we can talk about it, because it's in your bag. Anyone that wants to come and see it, Carrie says she'll be around for a few hours. mug her. Don't mug mug me, because that's got all the the typos. In it, and uh, I can't. I have my. You saw I had my reading glasses on. I cannot read one more thing. My eyeballs are going to fall out of my head. So, what's the deal? It's a hundred recipes from a hundred women. Um, some amazing women. There are some recipes that are staples of mine now that I've made them fifty times. Which, Which ones? Oh, Angela. <laughs> Who's interviewing you here? <laughs> Angela Diamuga's, um cabbage salad. She mm. has this dressing that's just amazing, and I pretty much make a version of it like weekly. Did you nail the kasha frying yet? Um, no. They usually just burn immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to figure out my deep frying. Um, but and Camille Becerra's banana bread. My parents love it, so I make it for them all the time. That's great. And who's putting it out? Clarkson Potter. It'll Wonderful. be out in October. Amazing. Um, and, and then you'll make all the Heritage Show rounds for the book. 
You can just come do all the shows. <laughs> we'll just move in. <laughs> what is it, but who's next? Okay, we got it. We'll be here in 10 minutes. What was the process of going out and getting the 100 recipes? And oh, how do God. You... Don't even ask about that part. I am asking about that part because uh, it's such a different approach to be able to go out and cure. You know, it's one thing to come from, you know, your own kitchens. But to do that, I think people would like to know. That's a, a very solid question. Like, how do you go out? Where do you start and how do you build it? Who do you start with and then how do you grow? Eventually it catches steam, but how do you get it? Who did you look for? What type of person did you look for? I mean, that's hard because obviously with 100, with only 100, you've left out a lot of people. And, you know, it's a, it's a big ask. It's People think, oh, it's just a recipe, but, you know, it's not. Not everybody has recipes at their disposal. Even restaurant chefs don't necessarily cook from recipes and aren't sitting on this, like, giant, you know, cache of recipes. So a lot of it started with sort of people we know and who are so many lists, so many spreadsheets. Yeah. It started with a lot of people already in our network and you know, you want diversity of, of recipe, culture, cuisine, people, city, all of those things. I mean, in all honesty, we could have easily put it together with just people here in New York and Brooklyn, but you know, you don't want that. You want, you want some variety. So we have somebody from Chicago. We have Elena Reagan, you know, from Chicago. We have Jamie Malone from Minneapolis. We have, you know, Vivian Howard from Kinston, North Carolina. Um, so we tried to, we tried to make it varied in that respect. And there's still a little bit of me though that just feels bad about the people who aren't in the cookbook. Well, that's how you have number two and three and four <laughs> right. and five. And the internet's a wonderful thing. You can just do recipes that didn't make it in or use them as promo recipes. There's so many outlets these days. Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, there was more than 100, and then you had to cut it down, or, like, like, your recipe doesn't make the book? No, there's only one recipe that didn't make it, who we won't mention (laughs) out loud. But it only, it didn't make it because it it just wound up not fitting. It was was a little too healthy, and it, it was there weren't any other recipes like it. So they're really, this is when it comes, you, you have to put be, it in like a section. Exactly. Yeah. This is when it comes down to being an editor and not just being everybody's best friend. Right. You know, you have to make a hard decision like this book, this recipe really does not fit in <laughs> with the rest of them. But, um, but it's, it's a really, the recipes are really great. As Claudia said, we, we've, we really made the recipes. Like a lot of people don't realize that, you hire a recipe tester to test all the recipes in your cookbook. I would love to do that. (laughs) There might be work for you. (laughs) And instead we tested them all summer in, in our own kitchens and none of us have really big fancy kitchens at all. And it was hot. But that's Mm. the best way too, especially if you're making a cookbook for home. Yes. Uh, I just got Darren the modernist cookbook at home and he's like, it's in in metrics. What am I going to do with it? Look at the (laughs) photos. That's a coffee table book. It's a coffee table book. But I think it's for the the, pre-war stove oven combo that is, says 325, but it's really like 328 or something like that. Oh my God. I know, but making those recipes, it it really does become something that people will follow and use in their own day-to-day cooking. We do have a few modernist chefs in our cookbook, like Amanda Cohen from Dirt Candy and Elena, who I mentioned uh, from Chicago, but the recipes aren't that. Amanda's isn't easy. Amanda's is a... um, It's relatively easy. You just have to be careful of getting burned. (laughs) That's all. I guess with everything. That's life. One One of the things, Darren, that you will love, even if you don't like cooking, the cookbook is really beautiful. Claudia worked really hard with Alpha Smoot and uh, the photographer and the food stylist, Claudia Fica. And I think 
the three of you develop this this really great sort of visual vocabulary that's very unique to us. Incredible. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Next year makes five year tradition. Uh, <laughs> where can people get tickets to the marketplace? Or the last ten tickets. Eventbrite. Um, just do a Google search or do an Eventbrite search for Cherry Bomb. Or, or you can just go to um, our Instagram oh, yeah. account and hit the uh, hit the URL, which is Cherry Bong. Cherry bomb, <laughs> cherry bomb, <laughs> cherry bomb. That's our next. Thing. That's our line of edibles. That's we'll right. talk about that. <laughs> that's two thousand. Um, wait, what happened to your brother? Where'd he go? Is he still on the line? No, he's Are at a awake? he's at a birthday party oyster shack. Oh, okay. And, uh, he did sound check and then he checked did out. sound check and then he uh, made the professional call that didn't sound all right. Probably ha- good. How are you feeling with three hundred episodes under your belt? I feel great. This is actually the best version where the band talks to the chefs. Sometimes it does always happen. They're just kind of off in their own world. So this is, this is really good. <laughs> well, congratulations on your 300. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to take a quick musical break with the band Psychic Twin, who was in studio a few years back. And then we will be on live with Color Collage in studios on episode 300 of Snacky Tunes. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine, and how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes, feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs, and try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org. Welcome back. Before we start with Color Collage, we want to let you know about a new series here at Heritage Radio Network called Books and Brews. Kicks off next week. This is the first and ongoing series of member-exclusive happy hours to celebrate the works of our hosts. Please, please, please come check it out. Uh, the first one will be Wednesday, April 9th from 6 to 8. Book signing by Kathy Airway, who got her start on Snacky Tunes before she got her own show. She's the host of Eat Your Own Words and the author of The Food of Taiwan. And she's great. Color Collage. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, where were you working brunch before? Uh, in Tribeca. Can you name the restaurant? Or? Should I? Okay. Sarah Beth's. Okay. Yeah. What were you doing over there? I'm a server there. Okay. What's uh, brunch? Love it? Hate it? Hate it. Okay. <laughs> because of the customer? Yeah, the people are <laughs> awful. It's really like entitled stroller moms, and they're so needy. And I've never heard of the term entitled stroller moms. <laughs> well, the, head they... down to Sarah Beth's in Tribeca. <laughs> plug it. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. So you are originally from Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, I lived there for a long time. I grew okay. up in Pittsburgh. But okay. yeah, that's a whole other story. It's a whole other yeah. story. Lived your, in Asheville for like five years. Your musical career, career got started there. Mm, more or less, yeah. Great city for music. Very cool. Great. I mean, everybody there is a top-notch musician. And great city for barbecue. Very good barbecue. Favorite spot? Twelve Bones is good what, in Asheville. What makes it your favorite, or what makes it good? I don't uh, want to. I mean, they're all favorite. super good, and probably since I've left, there was like ten that have opened that are probably better. But you can just say like Twelve Bones is the best. There's new ones, but nothing can top it. Obama goes to Twelve Bones. Okay. Oh well, there you go. So, there you go. There you go. I don't think Trump goes to Twelve Bones. So I don't think Trump probably eats bar- <laughs> probably eats barbecue <laughs> with his hands. Could you see someone eating a rib with like a fork and knife? He eats pizza with a fork and knife. No, that's Did what I'm know? saying. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So the name of your project down there was Now You See That. That's right, yeah. Uh, what was that type of music like? It and- was like an indie pop band, like folky. It was like a three-piece and uh, really influenced by like guy and girl groups from the 50s and 60s. So it was like pop music, constant harmony. Uh, sort of like Rilo Kylie is what we were shooting for on our record that we made. And then... We split up, and they still live down in Asheville. Um, she, she is in a band called Holy Ghost Tent Revival that we used to tour with, and he's the manager of the band now, so everybody's still doing really cool stuff. What brought you up to New York? Uh, I moved, I used to live here. I moved here when I was 18. I didn't go to college. I moved here right out of high school with the you know cliche dream of being like a singer-songwriter, and that lasted about a year. But I met Jason and Dulcie, who became the band here in New York, and then we traveled for years and somehow ended up in Asheville. 
what was it that brought you back, or what did you think that you would find here in the music scene that you didn't see in Asheville? Uh, well, the, so I moved back to Pittsburgh when the band broke up for like two months, and I hated it. It was like, you know, everybody from high school, I just like married with children, just doing nothing. Like more power to them if that's what you want to do. But yeah, I didn't want to do that, so I I came to New York for CMJ. And my friends here were like, why are you living in Pittsburgh? Why are you living in New York? So I was like, all right, fair enough. And then I moved back. It's about four years ago. And how did the music evolve? Uh, you were under another connection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leanne Grimes. Leanne Grimes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I back when like blogs were different, you know, it's sort of changed and become monetized now, but it was sort of like blogs were like the first one to break like a leaked single or a leaked record so i would go on the blog and find an mp3 of like a new indie song and sample it and make a remix out of it and the first one did really really well second one not so much but that was like honing my skills on the computer producing and making music with my computer and then when it came time to start releasing original music under that name i felt like it was a bit silly you know it's like a good dj moniker it's but like, like uh joanna gruesome exactly i mean there's a list of them yeah. you know at the time it, it just fit right in with all the other ones what were some of the bands that were on the first mixtape um just for reference point what year was this this was in like 2011 i think like the head and the heart uh the morning benders like destroy there's a destroyer one beirut um Deer Hunter, just like a who's who uh, at the time, like right. bloggers like Wet Dream, you know, like right. all in one mixtape. So, but yeah, I sort of kept doing the production aspect, but like with original music because I didn't have a band, you know. So when the band broke up, that was my outlet. And how did that outlet evolve into what eventually became Color Collage or what, uh, you know, you talk about creating large sounds in your head yeah. and running it through the songs that you're making? Sure, yeah. I mean, it was just really out of necessity at first, just because I didn't have anybody else to play with, and I'm sort of making them as like a, a template of how I wanted the songs to sound, like big and fully arranged, but you know, not having a 12-piece band to pull it off. So it just kind of happened that way. And the, the newer music that I'm making is less akin, you know, it doesn't really allow for the electronic sound. So I'm kind of shifting gears into a more organic. And you, sound and you call it electronic duop. Yeah, the, I mean the first, the record that I put out is, is exactly that. Um, and people kept asking me what it sounded like, so I just made that up, and it kind of stuck. So, you know, it's very duoppy, but it's electronic at the same time. So, can we hear a song? Yeah, of course. What are you going to play for us first? Uh, I have a new song. I wrote like a a concept EP about cults. Um, each song is about. A, a different cult from a different perspective like the leader the follower ex-member stuff like that and uh the first one is called tell them what they want to hear it's about jim jones Jonestown. Um, sorry i think that's okay yeah here we are color collage live on snacky tunes Talking through me I'm a vessel for his message I am many who look up to me I'm very well respected The Lord is talking 
One of the things that I loved reading about you is your obsession with the future yeah. and modern technology totally, and how it influences your, your music. Yeah. You talk a little bit about 1984 and Georgia Orwell, and yeah. so you also get a post-Trump election question. Sure, yeah. How course. has that influenced your music, uh, wherein before it was a little bit, maybe not so much uh, in actuality, but theory, but feeling that that is more prevalent than ever in the society that we live in today. Yeah, it really has changed a little bit. Even, like, listening back to some of the record, it's like, oh, shit, that's, like, reality now. It's really disturbing. Did you write it as in a future paranoia or more like a future this what if or just a future fantasy? A lot of the stuff in the 2048 song is is happening right now, you know, like uh, Google, the self-driving car, you know, and... uh, retina scan and like using you know a contact lens with like a camera in it so you can literally just like take pictures with your eyes like that stuff is happening and we'll see that kind of stuff in our lifetime which is incredible and terrifying at the same time you know so you know that kind of stuff is happening right now and yeah it is it's scary And do you feel that that will shape the future music you write, or do you have to push even further into a distant dystopia to find inspiration? I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like I want to do some, like the cult stuff is all very organic, uh, and it doesn't really fit into that sort of thing. So I feel like by switching gears, I'm going to sort of bypass the future for a while and like hang out in the present. Or hang out in the past. Yeah, I mean, all those songs are stuff, cults that, you know, have existed or still exist today. Where do you feel that that lays into the evolution of your music? Do you still say it's electronic doo-wop, or do you feel that that is now just a new direction and a continuing evolution of... That's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like that was kind of like this record, and it was a solo album in the purest sense. It was proving to myself that I could make an album all by myself and I played all the instruments and sang all the parts and now I'm just I'm kind of bored with that even playing live it's just sort of like you're playing to a track and it's the same way every single time and you can make it different in ways but there's you know it doesn't it doesn't match the sort of like tangible feeling when you sing or play with other people so I'm in the process of finding some people to record and play with but when I say that I've been very very lazy about it (laughs) Can we hear another song? Yeah, sure. Uh, While I have this cue chord out, um, speaking of technology and stuff like that, um, do you know who this girl that Poppy is? No. Poppy. Um, She is an internet presence. Um, It's the brainchild of this guy named Titanic Sinclair, and he uses Poppy, who was this pretty young blonde girl, as a sort of metaphor or like satire on the modern pop industry. And her Instagram and YouTube channel are so bizarre. You, you, you got to check it out. But anyway, she's signed to Island Records, so she has a career. And while they're making fun of the modern pop world, she she's in it, but they're still making fun of it. You know, it's just... Anyway, I heard her song, and I've been obsessed with it. And since I got the cue chord, I'm going to do it. It's called Low Life. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> 
suitcase, clean getaway. I'm the one that takes the blame again. New day, but the same lines. I feel like a victim of the dollar sign. All these years on my own, fighting my fight all alone. Till you came, don't you know? Don't you know? Baby, you're the highlight of my low life. Take a shitty day and make it alright. You're alright. Oh, in every circumstance, yeah, you make the difference. Baby, you're the highlight of my low life. My low life. Headaches, this bad taste. Wake up on the floor again. I ate my torn dress. This failed test. Soon they will be erased. All these years on my own, fighting my fight all alone. Till you came, don't you know? Don't you know? Baby, you're the highlight of my little life. Take a shitty day and make it alright. You're alright. Oh, whenever circumstance, yeah, you make the difference. Baby, you're the highlight of my little life. My little life. And I get so lonely, I can't make it on my own. And I need to call ya. Can you come to my chateau? Take me in your arms and hold me tight up, hold me close. Whisper in my ear. All I want you to say is. It's interesting that you mentioned Thanks. that you are looking for a band because I've always seen your work as having a lot of collaborators. Uh, you have a great art director, great video director. Yeah. Um, uh, Penn Williamson. He's the man. Just a great name. He's, it's his real it's his that's given real? name. Man. Oh, that's his a given name? birth name is Penn, yeah. Wow. Good, good work, parents. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of only gave him like one. Well, I guess he could have been a writer. Yeah, that's true. So writer, art director. How He's did you great. two link up and how does he influence you and you influence him? Oh, I mean, very much so. Um, we met um, when now you see them. We used to tour a lot for a living and we he used to live in Savannah. So we went to Savannah a bunch and we stayed on his floor a couple times, his roommate's floor, actually. And then I woke up in the morning and just 
shared music with him back and forth. I was like, have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? And he showed me a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, do you want to get married? And like, <laughs> it was a very like instant, like close connection. And we just kept in touch. And he was living in New York for a while. And now he's moved out to L.A. And he's doing really good work with like a legit graphic design firm and advertising. So he's doing very well. But it was he did all the Leanne Grimes stuff as well, which is sort of like I wanted it to be when you're scrolling through a blog, you know, before you even listen to the music, you see the album cover. So you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll check this out. And a lot of the success of the first one had to do with his his stuff, you know. Having a good artistic director cannot be underestimated. No, it's very important, you know, and uh, branding yourself and the whole thing. It's, it's very important. And uh, I'm glad that he's there. Like, he already has most of the artwork done for the cult stuff, too, which is, like, really spooky and, like, yeah. If I can take a moment to shout out Luther Hems, who's done all of our artwork for forever and given us our The idea. one from today? The, like, taco Everything. thing? That's cool. Ha- tattoos. Posters, everything. Uh, we would probably be very for a lot further behind if it wasn't for Luther's very uh, good. and execution. Yeah, and uh, incredibly, mostly hand drawn too. Uh, all the images are hand drawn. So Luther, thanks for doing three hundred plus million things with us. That's a lot. Yeah, and also your video director uh, Kate is also really cool too. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Uh, she does a ton of work. Um, we used to, you know, our love of like Tim and Eric and weird stuff like that. Uh, we share that kind of bond, and she's doing all kinds of stuff too. She's working all the time, making great stuff. Um, thanks, Kate. We shot it in my basement, the music video, and there was only like ten people there, so we had to try to make it look like there was more people there. Just keep shifting them around mm-hmm. slowly but surely. And the video is like everybody's on their phones the whole time. This is sort of like, you know... An ongoing trend for what you have. Mm-hmm. So we know the cult thing is coming up next. Is yeah. there a release for it? Is there a name? Is it going to be on Paper Gardens, which... I, re- I mean, all that is really... I mean, I it's in the, such an early stage right now. I just yeah. have the demos of the songs. Yeah. Nothing's recorded. I, I mean... Takes time. Check up, check back in in a year, and I'll have more answers, probably. Okay, great. Well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song. Yeah, sure. Big thank you to Cherry Bomb for coming back. We love this tradition so much. Uh, please make sure to go to their Instagram to get what is probably now like one of seven tickets that are left for the marketplace. And uh, maybe you can put a cup to a wall and hear some of the uh, some of the panels. Are they going to be recorded again like they were last year for Heritage? Yeah, so they'll be playing over the summer. So even if you can't make it, you can still hear it. Right. And you also now have three years of old archives to go to. And there's some really incredible panels from the year make sure to make get a subscription go network with somebody ask someone from tough some tough questions go do a bake sale or something go do a bake sale or something uh shout out to heidi thanks for helping set this up big shout out to darren congratulations to 300 episodes i hope you're shucking some oysters somewhere (laughs) and just a thank you to jack aaron dave katie patrick and the heritage family we really appreciate it I want to say here's to 300 more, but that is yeah. so ambitious. <laughs> we'll just say to... Many more. To many more. Here's the next iteration of Snacky Tunes. What are you going to take us out with? It's another one of the cult songs. It's called Together Forever. There's a documentary called Holy Hell um, about this cult called the Buddha Field. This like, wacky new age cult uh, out in California that still has a following today, even though some very messed up stuff happened which is you know watch the documentary you see but two of the songs from the cult ep are about this cult called the buddha field and this one is sort of 
uh, from the perspective of this woman that was in the cult for a long time and the cult dissolves. So then, you know, like, what do you do? You sort of have to assimilate back into real life. And, you know, you thought that this was your family for the rest of your life. And, you know. Well, Color Collage, thank you for coming on to Snacky Tunes. And we will be back next week with another episode. Take us out. Thanks. I thought that we would be together forever I thought that we would be together forever I thought that we would be together forever Now I'm just turned 21 I was looking for some fun I wanted something different Wanted to make a commitment I gave my life
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.